0: the american people will soon find out if the united states is going to war fires are raging across brazil's amazon rainforest at the stroke of midnight the u.s hit china with tariffs on 34 billion dollars worth of goods hurricane dorian made landfall with wind speeds of 185 miles per hour Multiple drones bombed Saudi Arabia's largest oil facilities today. 60,000 people have fled their homes in northeastern Syria. It's like these 500-year floods or 100-year floods. They're happening every other year. Anti-government protesters in Hong Kong have taken to the streets. The magnitude 7.1 quake was felt from Los Angeles all the way to Nevada. It is one of the worst escalations of violence on the Israel-Gaza border in years. The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Randy Reams is pastor of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. Join Pastor Randy now as he shares truths from God's unchanging Word. Many people, many scholars, debate whether chapter 6 should be at the beginning of Isaiah or where you see it today. Okay, until the discovery of the Isaiah scroll, that was really under, you guys know what I mean by the Isaiah scroll? In the Dead Sea Scrolls, the full book of Isaiah was found. And and that's from the ASEANs generally around the time of Christ. So they can compare it to all these other pieces and parches and papyri of things of Isaiah, and say, hey, look, man, the Bible ain't changed very much in all that time. They weren't sure where this, and the reason is is because you have Isaiah's commissioning, if you will, here. Who shall I send? Send me! Okay, that comes up in the process. They can't see how chapter 6 fits in with 789. I'm here to tell you, it sure does. Because of the recurring theme in Isaiah. And what is that? Trust in men versus trust in God. And it actually talks about when you trust in God, these good things happen. When you don't trust in God, the bad things happen. Sort of like Deuteronomy 28. When we flip to chapter 7, a whole king has gone by. Jotham, Uzziah's son, has came and lived and died. Okay, we went through that when we were going through Kings and Chronicles. There's a lot happened in the world at that time. In particular, the rise, even more so. They were already there, but the power of Assyria. And and we talked about all this before, but he brings to the point, we get to chapter 7, verse 1. Pekah, he's the king of Israel, the northern kingdom. Remember, Judah's the southern kingdom. That's where Uzziah was. That's where Ahaz is now. So Uzziah's grandson all right, And and Jotham, I think, reigned for only like five years, I think. And now you have Ahaz, which is just a shortened version of Jehoaz. J- J-E-H-O-A-H-A-Z. Okay. So it's the year 732. Only five years from the time, chapter 6, and Isaiah has his, his uh, vision of the Lord. But... King Pekka, or Pekka, I pronounce it long E, and people argue that, allied with Rezin, the king of Assyria, or Syria, not Assyria, but Syria. So Palestine, if you've all seen a map, I'm going to turn around so you see it on the right side. Mediterranean, here you have Israel. Up here you have Damascus, that's Syria. Then Assyria is over here where we would think of Iraq. So the Assyrians are the strong power in the world. They had a little downtime, but they're coming back. So the king of the northern kingdom, Israel, which is his capital is Samaria, makes a pact to, in a sense, sort of rebel against Assyria because most of them now are vassals of Syria. They're paying tribute to the Assyrian kings. He makes a pact with him to go attack Judah and particularly to take Jerusalem. Jerusalem. This was reported, and I'll, from verse 2 of chapter 7. And it was reported to the house of David. I'm going to ask you a question. Why doesn't the Scripture say, hey, these guys made a plot to attack Jerusalem? Why doesn't it say, and it was reported to Ahas? Why doesn't his name, what, why does he say the house of David? You see this, this, what is being going to be said here? It said to the house of David. Hearing this, verse 3, The king's heart and the heart of the people shook as trees of the forest shake with the wind. A poetic say, their needs were knocking. They were afraid because you have two armies coming against Jerusalem. They saw the physical situation, the spread of the virus, the riots in the streets, whatever it was, and they got afraid. Thus, the theme. You gonna trust in God or are you gonna trust in man? God sends Isaiah to speak to Ahaz, and this is what he says in verse three: Take care, be calm, have no fear, do not be faint-hearted. But let me say to you today: Take care, be calm, have no fear, do not be faint-hearted. And he says, "Look at this, it." Isaiah says to the king, it shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. That is their desire to take Jerusalem. Now, they do do a bunch of killing. About 120,000 men of Judah die, battling them outside the city. Okay? And that's in Second 2 Chronicles 28.6. But this idea of taking Jerusalem and taking over the southern kingdom is not going to happen. And he says this, and it sounds sort of weird, okay? It's not going to happen because before or because the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Resin, and the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Ephraim is, what? Dude, 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 this ain't going to happen because these are just men who rule over earthly kingdoms. If you do not believe, you will surely not last. If you don't believe, I'm telling you, this ain't going to happen because these are just men over physical, natural kingdoms. And if you don't believe it, yours ain't going to last either. Remember the fame: do you trust in God or do you trust in men? And what he actually does, he actually makes a pact with Tichleth Pileser III out of Assyria. So instead of trusting in the word of God, he trusts in a natural kingdom in a man. Who does come down, by the way, Sack Damascus and Syria and kill these two kings. That is so. But when he says, I don't, I'm not asking for a sign, I don't want a sign. Listen now, O house of David. I want you to understand, he starts with saying, the one who heard the story is not the one king, but it's the house of David that trembled. So listen, O house of David, not just you, king, but all those of this lineage, is it too slight a thing for you to try? It's a little thing when you try the patience of men. The word there is to be, cause the people to be tired of and weary of you. That you will try or make God weary of you too? Not a good idea. You think it is, it is You think this is about you. No, this is about the house of David and my plan, God's saying, for the house of David. That's what this is about. Now that you get to still sit on a natural throne or not. Therefore, the Lord Notice it doesn't say this. It doesn't say, therefore, the Lord will give you a sign. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Now, we've talked about this on Wednesday. The point is to emphasize this. This is the direct intervention of God himself. You know, God comes around and he does use oh, tick lack to do something. This is direct, inf- this sign is directly from the direct act of God putting his self-hand into time-space. Now, before I go on, I want to remind you what I said earlier, okay, that there's Two different, three different sides of this, the prophetic, particularly in Isaiah, regarding the particular events that are going on, the moment, the immediate, and those for the distant future. And the purpose of fulfilling this one is to affirm, authenticate the latter one. Remember that. Here's the sign from the Lord himself. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. I hate to tell you, that's the direct intervention of God. That's not God working through people, a person. This is God miraculously, instantaneously generating within the womb of Mary. He'll bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. What's that mean? God with us. Well, you know, the Bible you know, until, until Jesus died and, and Paul, they weren't, they weren't ever teaching that Jesus was God. <laughs> God himself said he is. They shall call him God with us. Then it goes on to a weird thing about, and then until this, this child eating curds and so on, until this child knows right and wrong. Here's the point. Here's the future, long-term, distant prophetic word. A virgin shall give birth. Let me give you the sign right now. Before it takes for a child to grow out of eating baby food, before it takes however long it takes a child to learn right from wrong, the king of Assyria and Ephraim will meet their doom. These two other kings will meet their doom at the hand of the Assyrians. That happened within three years. So why did this happen? Why did it take place in a particular point part of time to affirm the prophecy that a virgin will give birth? If, if Let me tell you, this is going to happen. It's going to happen within the period of time that it takes a child to get away from baby food and learn right from wrong. In that amount of time, these two guys will be gone. For the purpose of, I'm reason I'm giving you two together so one authenticates. If you, I prove to you that I am faithful with this word, I will prove to you, therefore I'm faithful to keep this word. But, like I said, he doesn't trust God. He goes to Assyria. The prophecy still comes true. He, watch this, Ahaz goes after, puts his trust in men. God uses that trust in men to fulfill the prophecy about the time period he said it was going to take before these guys were killed. When God gives a word and he says something's going to be, good luck trying to change that. When we get seven, we get to chapter eight, and I'm not breaking all that down, but it talks about the Syrians that come. By chapter nine, Israel's still struggling with the idea of to whom it trusts. As a matter of fact, who do I go for counsel and advice? Where do I go to get leading of what's going to take place? It tells us in chapter 9 and verse 19 that they turned to mediums and spiritists fortune tellers, and so on. This took place, if you recall, when Manasseh becomes king. They do. It literally sets the the zodiac in the temple. They get necromancers and spiritists and mediums and sorcerers. You can't remember when I preached on that. Anybody? Okay. All right. Again, look at Here's the same problem. Even though God proves he can tell the future, Israel still doesn't trust in God's word. They trust in the human situation to the point where, wait a minute, they go beyond the physical to the metaphysical that is not corporeal, not to this spirit mediums, tell the future, tarot card reading, whatever it is it looks like for you. Do you trust the word of God? In the midst of that is Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For a child is born unto us, a son, a child. I know it by King James. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Now watch. A child is born, but a son is given. Why would it say that? Because the son of God was given. He wasn't born. A child is born, but the son of God was given. He already existed. The eternal son of God. Okay? So you have what is called the hypostatic union in the incarnation incarnation and that is truly human truly God. Everything that human is he is. Everything that God is, he is. But this is the part now do you get why it says this? And the government shall rest on his shoulders. See, by the time this spiritist medium stuff is happening, Samaria and its entire northern kingdom is gone. Sennacherib has come in and taken it all over, taken the king, Hosea, to captive and hauled off the people of Samaria. What's going to happen to us? I don't know. Call Psychic Friends Network. Get your palm read. Go to your horoscope. No, no, I know you're worried about the governments of this world, how it's going to play out. But unto us, a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Guess where you got to go for counseling? Mighty God. In case, again, you don't believe that Jesus Christ, born in Bethlehem, was truly God and truly man, you got a problem right here. Now, wait a minute. If the word he gave you before it was true, this future one is too. If you don't believe this, he's, you're being Ahaz. Yeah, I know God said, but I believe by the time Jesus came along, that didn't, no, I wasn't God. Mighty God. Now, this will mess with you. This child that is given or born and the son that is given to mighty God and he'll be called eternal father. Well, the Bible doesn't use the word Trinity, so that's not a doctrine in the Bible. Really? When was the last time you read Isaiah? That son, that child, will be mighty God, eternal father. Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his, not his government, the increase of his government will not end. It is vitally important that we understand the context which these prophecies, you've seen them on Christmas cards, right? You see them all over the place. Put them in this context. Quit putting your trust in human government. Inhuman kings. Quit looking to human things to solve the problem. There is a child that's born. This Christmas, remember this. President, whoever, is not in charge. Let me put it like I taught the kids. Caesar Augustus was not in charge. He thought it was a good idea to tax the people and do a census so he can tax them and make them go to their own hometown. He didn't know he was fulfilling a prophecy given in Micah. I know it looked like to y'all at that time that Caesar was in charge. But the true government is on his shoulders. He is really the king of kings, the sovereign ruler now, we all look at the little baby Jesus in our nativity we have over here. Maybe you have one in your house. Okay. Little baby Jesus, our Savior. True. Also, sovereign ruler. Also, King of kings. Also, mighty God, eternal Father. Oh, just wrap your mind around that for a minute this Christmas. That, on that child. Is all government of all time, of all situations, and the answer, the wonderful counselor to all the problems. Time has not got out of the control of that little baby, it has somehow slipped through his little tiny fingers. No, 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 no. It's God Himself injecting Himself into human form into time, space. And by the way, if you went to China today, China has its own calendar, right? But you know, if you go to China today, they still celebrate the new year of 2020 or 2021 or 2022. They're still using what we call the Gregorian calendar. They're still using, ready? A.D. They have a Chinese calendar, right? Why don't they use that? Do you know Israel? has a Jewish calendar as well, marking from when they think, you know, Genesis 1 took place. But you go over there on New Year's and guess what you'll see? Hey, celebrate 2021. All time has been divided by this one event. I know they thought they had their cultures with their calendars, but maybe God in his infinite wisdom moved that the Western world would be the successful governing So the rest of the world would embrace this. At this point, time changed. Before Christ and after. Well, I thought God would bless the West because we're just good people. Because we understand democracy. No, it's not about you. It's a promise he gave. It's to fulfill his plan. And one day, all the nations, especially if you keep reading Isaiah, all the nations will flow into Jerusalem. All people groups, leaders from every place will come into Jerusalem where he will physically sit on the throne of David. That little baby that they turned into a guy with the red suit, about the magic of Christmas, you hear that all the time, or about... What's Christmas? I watched an interview. What's Christmas all about, about family? <laughs> what? Not your family. Maybe his family. They will all bow before the throne of Christ in the millennial reign because there is still a future to the prophetic word that we see connected with the birth of Jesus Christ. There is still yet to come the day of the vengeance of our god. That same little baby that's so cute and cuddly that you want to think about in your head is also the same Christ who brings judgment on the earth in revelation. Well, you know, I really don't this whole Christmas thing. It's a nice tradition, but I really, you know, yeah, we do presents and trees and stuff, but but you know, there's no real Jesus God stuff. Don't worry, you'll discover the last half of that verse which Jesus quoted. The vengeance of our God. When you look at the manger, that little child, you know what you see? The grace and mercy of God. His has extended it to humanity. But will you try God? You might push the patience of men, but will you push the patience of God? Someday that patience will end at a set time that he is determined as much as just at the right time Jesus came. Just at the right time he will come again. And Christ will fulfill that other half of Isaiah 61. When you look at that baby in a manger, are you going to try that baby's patience? Say, no, I put my trust in men. I, I put my trust in science. I mean, I, I believe what's testable, repeatable, and sealed. Then I guess you don't believe in dark matter. I'm not going into that. Okay, you anybody know what dark matter is? Matter and energy are equated, so we have more energy in the universe than we have matter we can measure, so we make up something. We can't see it, test it, smell it, nothing. There's a thing called dark matter just to make the, equivalent, the equation equal, more or less. They'll argue they can prove that, but they really haven't. They can define maybe. But my point being is, that God, that Savior, when you look at that cross or that manger, yes, he came to bring grace, but why did we need it? Because too many of us put our trust in men and human circumstances. We need to put our trust in God and his word. Amen. And then I'm going to end with this. So you're sitting at home. You've had a hard day. You've done some things, you know, that would offend the character of God. And a voice in your head starts lying to you. You're not. You're not really a Christian. You know, because Christians don't act like this. I'm sure it's never happened to you. Well, this kind of thing. Well, is, it, is, it real? is that real? What if, what if everything I believe isn't real? I'm sure you've never had those doubts. This man has. Do I put my trust in the thoughts of my own head or do I put my trust in the word of God that says, for God so loved the world that whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. Do you trust his word or do you trust the circumstances in your own life when you've messed up? When you've done the wrong, do you allow that to convince you that somehow his eternal Eternal isn't eternal, the everlasting isn't. No, his word says everlasting life. If you're not a Christian, that is putting your trust in Jesus Christ for your eternal state, for the taking of sins. I ask you today to do that. It's a wonderful season to look at that little baby and say, I trust in what you are at that baby's point going to do, who you are and everything you promised. Great season for that. But if you are a Christian and you have allowed the circumstances to tell you somehow or another that you, oh, I'm gonna get in trouble, lost your salvation, walked away from trust in the word of God. It is everlasting life brought to you by a baby in a manger. Let's stand. Father, I give you praise and thanks. Lord, we can look at your word, see what you said, and watched it come past in time space. Not just as scripture, but in archaeology show where you fulfilled these promises that you said. But God, they just stand to affirm all the rest of the things you promised that we have not seen in the natural God, I thank you, O Lord, that it simply affirms this. If I confess my sins, you are faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. That the righteousness of Christ is imparted to me. Father, we put our trust in your word because we've seen you fulfill your word. God, help us in this season when we see those little manger scenes to remind ourselves that there in that little manger was the king of kings. And the sovereign Lord, and everything that took place in that child's life and ours, part of your almighty plan. We trust you, O Lord, all that we might give glory to your great name, Emmanuel. Amen. This is Pastor Randy Reams, and I want to thank you for joining us today for Truths from God's Unchanging Word. This broadcast is a ministry outreach of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. And if you'd like to hear, This message in its entirety or other messages, just visit kindredbible.org forward slash media. And there you can also subscribe to the podcast. If you're being ministered to by this broadcast, I'd like to ask you to consider financially supporting this ministry. Giving is easy. Just go to kindredbible.org forward slash give. There you can make a one-time gift or you can choose to become a monthly supporter. But if you prefer, you can send your gift to KBC, P.O. Box 32, Nampa, Idaho, 83653. Your prayers, words of encouragement, and financial support helps ensure that this broadcast will continue to be heard in your region and around the world. Again, I'd like to thank you for listening to Truths from God's Unchanging Word.